0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Frontier Investigates, brought to you by Frontier Current Affairs, the frontier of a new generation. On today's episode, we've decided to shake it up a little bit. Rather than interviewing a guest, I'll be discussing the impact that social media plays in China, with respect to how officials utilize social media to suppress the Hong Kong protests in 2020. I myself am a political science and international relations student at the University College Dublin, and recently wrote a paper on this subject. As I read about how the central government uses social media in China, I not only found the subject fascinating, I also found it equally worrying. In a world where social media has been used as a force of good, it has equally been harnessed by autocratic states like China to, prevent, to present an aura of freedom whilst at the same time having significant control over their population. I'm Drummond McGinn and this is Frontier Investigates. Social media can be used as a force of good. It has enabled protests and uprisings against authority like those seen in the Arab Spring. However, Hong Kong is one case where social media was utilized by the autocratic state to prevent, censor, and suppress protests and uprisings. These protests, although organized through social media, are an example of a situation where the disadvantages of social media simply outweigh any benefits. Protesters in Hong Kong took to Twitter to organize the protest. However, Beijing was quick to respond using its own considerable technical resources. This episode will examine why social media, despite its merits, can be dangerous for society because it can be harnessed to further the interests of the established regime and to promote a single party message while silencing those that speak out against it. This episode will use the Hong Kong protests as an example of how autocratic regimes like China use social media to prevent, suppress and delegitimize protests and uprisings. Hong Kong, unlike the rest of China, has particular freedoms as a result of the handover agreement between the UK and China. Such freedoms include a democracy, freedom of expression and even freedom of press, which are not as enjoyed as freely on mainland China. Over the course of the protests in Hong Kong, Beijing introduced a series of limits on social media. This episode will examine these limits and the role that they played in suppressing the Hong Kong protests. Although we can see the point that social media appears to have brought the situation in Hong Kong to the forefront of mainstream news and effectively organised collective action, this episode will expose the, the dire reality. As displayed over the course of the Hong Kong protests, tactics employed by the Chinese Communist Party, otherwise known as the CCP, are similar to that of the traditional authoritarian regime, which relies on fear, propaganda to consolidate uh, power. China has gone one step further. From the social credit system to WeChat and Sina Weibo, the government has used its population um, and put its population under constant surveillance which was evident during these protests. The party peddles the ideology, if you have nothing to hide, then you have nothing to fear. But this narrative undermines the democratic principle. This further highlights the importance of the Hong Kong protests and the fear that these individuals have of losing their freedom. Whilst technology has evolved, so have authoritarian states. China has become the Robocop equivalent of a state, primarily using social media to undermine anyone who challenges any aspect of the state. One way in understanding how social media can be harnessed are through what are known as the three Fs, which are proposed by Tucker et al. And these are fear, friction and flooding. We can use these three Fs to determine how China has harnessed social media to control its population. Using these concepts, we can begin to analyze the extent to which social media has been used to quash the protests in Hong Kong. The first of these three Fs is fear. And fear is the force behind censorship that deters. Fear, unfortunately, is a tactic that is not particularly new among autocracies. In fact, it has been used as a means to silence opposition for as long as historic records show. As Tucker correctly points out, fear tactics are part of the autocrat's traditional toolbox. From the disappearances of journalists to the so-called re-education of particular minorities, fear remains the go-to for autocratic regimes. Worldwide, as many as 259 journalists were imprisoned as is 2016. However, fear is not just the physical act of arresting somebody, but the worry that you may be arrested if you don't align with the common belief of the regime. This tactic was employed by Beijing during the Hong Kong protests, but it's something that has existed in China for years. The central government have an incredible control over individuals' lives, This ethos fundamentally reduces any likelihood of an individual questioning the party line in fear that they may be exposed. As was the case with the Hong Kong protests, individuals who supported the cause of the protesters within China were punished. However, it is likely that there were many who were fearful about supporting those in Hong Kong at all. One way in which the CCP promotes fear is through the social credit system. The social credit system essentially monitors everyday behaviors of individuals, primarily through social media. If an individual jaywalks, their social credit score decreases. If an individual buys beer or cigarettes because that's bad for your health, your social credit score decreases. Their social credit score may increase if you buy nappies because it shows that you're an attentive parent. But if, and again, if you buy water because it shows that you're healthy, your social credit score also increases. The same happens online. Using government-monitored equivalents of Facebook and Twitter called Sina Weibo or WhatsApp otherwise known as WeChat, by speaking out against the central government your score will decrease and and if you promote uh, government policy your score increases. The social credit system plays an important part in promoting fear, especially if your score drops below a certain level. Both a mugshot and personal details are broadcast on television, on billboards, in cinemas, and on other public forums if your social credit score decreases. Additionally, those with a low score are prevented from using public transport or accessing facilities available to more compliant citizens. Although the social credit system is not yet in place in Hong Kong, those on the mainland were prevented from discussing the protest in any way, shape, or form, and this was primarily out of fear as it is seen as speaking out against the central government. Additionally, a research report conducted by the University of Hong Kong about introducing a social credit system into Hong Kong found that citizens feared that their freedom and rights of speeches may be restricted and would have to be careful of their behaviors and actions. In addition to this report, compared to Hong Kong, those on mainland China felt that the social credit system does more good than harm which plays into the narrative of the social credit system. If those interviewed were to say the opposite, it's likely their social credit score would subsequently be lowered, thus further perpetrating the fear that the central, of the central government. This form of government overwatch exemplifies how autocratic regimes can use fear by using social media to their advantage. This level of state mandated control is one of the many reasons why those in Hong Kong are protesting in the first place. However, authorities on China's mainland effectively contain the message of the Hong Kong protest, spreading to the mainland using the social credit system so, to, so as to promote fear. China has successfully blocked Western media like Facebook or Twitter. This has been known as the Great Firewall of China, which now to a degree includes Hong Kong. Although citizens with their social credit score may be affected through what they may do or say, and thus act accordingly, friction tactics are a lot more subtle than that. Most commonly, friction can be regarded as censorship. China were quick to respond when the internet bubble began. Due to restricted access from Western media sources of information, as citizens in China rely on news from state broadcasters and from social media sites developed within China, which in turn are monitored by government authorities of course. Despite an aura of freedom online, Chinese officials tend to censor issues that may undermine the central government, often at the expense of local government. Um, At a local government level, citizens can disagree with local politicians and even organize local protests. However, posts that criticize central government in China tend to be censored. Thus, although there is a sense of freedom uh, to share ideas, in reality, their activity is monitored Um, at all government levels, and officials decide what is deemed appropriate to be posted or not. The Hong Kong protests provide the perfect context as to how officials use friction tactics. It was reported in early last year that Chinese citizens who posted negatively about the protests on the likes of Sina Weibo or WeChat were censored. Further to this, the Chinese authorities placed Hong Kong under the Great Firewall, limiting protesters from sharing pro-democratic information. What protesters worry about in Hong Kong is to the extent of these laws. It is understood that it will follow a similar framework to Beijing, where citizens are not only censored, but also monitored and subsequently punished if authorities deem information that go against the grain of the party citizens of the Hong Kong are increasingly defiant against the measure implemented by Chinese authorities. Despite this, it is clear that censorship by officials, uh, Chinese officials seem to work considering the ever decreasing coverage of Hong Kong in Western media, as well as con- the containment of protests within the region. It is therefore evident that friction as a concept to censor information on social media platforms works and that fundamentally social media has helped to quash uprisings like those in Hong Kong. The final of the three Fs is uh, known as flooding. Uh, This third concept, which is outlined in uh, Tucker et al., is very much like its namesake. It involves the flooding of counterfactual information on social media in order to top search results and subsequently promote uh, the message of the autocratic regime. Flooding is the third and final tool in which social media can be used to suppress uprisings like those seen in Hong Kong. As this podcast sets out to establish, although there is an abundance of information that would inspire protests, autocracies use flooding to push that information to the bottom of the pile, thus suppressing the size and legitimacy of the protest. It would be the equivalent of the CCP identifying a needle and literally placing a haystack on top of it, thus making the needle incredibly hard to find for individuals who care passionately about needles. As a tool to delegitimize protests and prevent them from growing, it is an incredibly effective one and has played a significant part in quashing uh, many parts of the Hong Kong protests. The Chinese authorities are known to employ people to promote pro-party messages on social media. Sino Weibo estimated that over 50,000 of its, user, of its users were government officials. Further to this, it is acknowledged that governments at different levels also hire internet trolls nicknamed the 50 cent party, because some are paid at a rate of 50 cents per post they, they publish. The New York Times reported in 2019 that China has adopted Russia's playbook for spreading disinformation on Facebook and Twitter. The article further explains that Facebook and Twitter had identified various users within China spreading falsified information about the protests, portraying those who attended them as violent and even suggesting that the protesters were linked to ISIS in some cases. Further to this, state-backed media outlets like China Daily had advertised the misinformation about the protests in Hong Kong, suggesting that they were backed by Western interests. It is important to remember that Facebook and Twitter are blocked in China via the Great Firewall, as discussed previously. Individual citizens would be unlikely to break the rules by somehow circumnavigating the sophisticated firewall in fear of their social credit score decreasing. It is therefore likely that these accounts were linked to government officials with the task of flooding the social sphere with misinformation about the protest. This displays the extent by which the CCP are willing to go to remain a dominant power and to delegitimize any opposition to its overreaching control. Thus we can say with certainty that social media can be used by autocratic regimes effectively to quash uprisings like those seen in Hong Kong by simply spreading false information on a mass scale. There's no denying that social media can be used as a force of good. This is evident in the Arab Spring, uh, where countries like Egypt, Syria, Libya, were held accountable by their citizens through the use of social media to organize collective action and uprisings against governments in place. The same can be said about the Hong Kong protests, where social media played a crucial role in organizing the protests. However, as we've seen, Social media can do so much more harm than good when it comes to these protests and uprisings. This is evident using the three F's, um, as we've outlined in this podcast. Autocratic regimes fundamentally can use social media to spread fear as, as displayed through the social credit system in China, where citizens are ranked based on their behavior. Autocracies also use friction, which is a preventative measure used by China to censor information that may reflect badly on the central government or the party. Finally, this podcast showed that flooding is also an effective tactic um, to use on social media to suppress and even prevent protests or uprisings. By spreading disinformation about the opposition and other such lies, fundamentally the benefits of social media are effective in the short run they allow for the quick mobilization of protesters however in the greater scheme of things social media in autocratic and controlled states like china can be monitored it can be used to know where and when protests will take place which makes it a lot easier for authorities to identify those individuals who are involved and it allows authorities to determine the result that they wish to yield from each protest using tools like the 3Fs, which were employed over the course of the Hong Kong protests. Fundamentally, the only advantage of social media regarding the protests and uprisings is the organisational benefit. However, this point is moot when you look at the likes of the fall of the Berlin Wall, the Paris Commune, the Civil Rights Movement, even Tiananmen Square. Some of the most defining protests and uprisings in history occurred without the use of social media, thus displaying the limited advantage that it brings to protests. Ultimately, this um, episode has established the harms that social media vastly, vastly outweigh any good derived from it, and the negative impact that social media has had in Hong Kong. Unfortunately, that is all that we have time for for this episode. If you're not already, make sure to follow our social media accounts, and you can find the link to those in the description. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to keep up to date with our weekly podcast, please give us a follow. In addition to the podcast, Frontier uploads articles daily on our website at www.frontier-current-affairs.com. Make sure to tune in next week. I'm John and this is Frontier Investigates.